Hi, CityCast listeners. We've got a regular episode coming for you today. We're going to talk about ways to deal with global warming. But first, we have got to talk about abortion. On Friday, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and that afternoon, it basically became impossible to get an abortion in the state of Texas, even in cases of rape and incest. And we are hearing that doctors who could face life sentences are hesitating to end ectopic pregnancies or pregnancies in which the baby is unlikely to survive long. I cannot say how upset I am or how furious. We're going to cover this story more in the coming days, but right away, I wanted to offer some super practical information. Things that we all need to know now in the post-Roe v. Wade world. This is information not just for the people who are pregnant right now, but for people who might become pregnant. And for those of us who love them and want to help. First off, even if you are not pregnant, if you have a period tracker on your phone, delete that sucker right now. And don't keep track of your period on paper, either. That stuff could someday be used as evidence. Second, If you're pregnant but aren't sure whether you want an abortion, be very careful who you talk with. In Texas, there is a $10,000 bounty on abortion providers, and there are tons of, quote, pregnancy help centers, unquote, and mobile trucks that are actually run by anti-abortion activists. Third, for your sake and the sake of people who are helping you, be careful to protect your digital privacy when you are doing research or making an appointment. Going incognito on your browser is not enough to keep you safe. Your best bet is to download the browser Tor, T-O-R, which blocks trackers and automatically clears your browser history. If you are early in your pregnancy and you think the abortion can be performed with pills, the most established, most trusted option available in Texas right now is aid access. A European doctor will consult with you via telemedicine, and any pills that they prescribe will be shipped from India. The cost is $110 to $150. But... Here is one big problem with that. Those pills take three to four weeks to arrive, which is a long time in a pregnancy. So Aid Access has begun offering advanced provision. That means that you can get pills for later use. So if you or someone you love might someday need those, even if you're not pregnant, even if they're not pregnant, consider getting that prescription now just in case, so that you have them when you need them. If you need an abortion, but your pregnancy is too advanced or too complicated to be done with pills, the closest state where abortion is likely to remain legal is New Mexico. That is a 12-hour drive from Houston, and New Mexico's clinics are likely to be swamped. If you are booking an appointment like that in New Mexico or Colorado or any other state where it's still legal, Avoid email and text messages, which could someday be used against you. Booking the appointment by phone is better, and it's even safer if you use a voice encryption service like Signal. You should turn off the Face ID and Fingerprint ID on your phone. A court can't make you turn over your password, but it can compel you to unlock your phone. Also, 
Do not take your phone to the appointment. It could be used to track you. And turning off location services may not be enough. Last, if you can, pay with cash so you don't leave a paper trail. If you have to use a payment service, Apple Pay offers more protection than Venmo or PayPal, but cash is better. I know that is a lot to take in, so we'll have links to a bunch of that stuff in our show notes. We are in the middle of a heat wave, and we know that global warming is only going to make this kind of thing more frequent and worse. So what can Houston do to fight back? Today, we are talking with CityCast environmental contributor Jaime Gonzalez. It's Monday, June 27th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Jaime, it's hot. It is super hot, Lisa, and it's got us thinking a lot about what we can do to cool this city. Oh, I'm glad you're thinking about it. It's not just me. Like This is record-breaking heat. This is hot even for a Houston summer, Yeah, this, this is, early in summer. This is definitely hotter than we typically experience. The, the annual average for June is about 93, so these temperatures that are getting above 100 and up in the upper 90s is definitely hotter, but it's also compounded right by the lack of clouds, and that makes a big difference, mm-hmm. and the lack of precipitation. So it's just, it's feeling really hot and it is really hot. Ay, ay, ay. So besides ruining my mood and leaving me really sweaty, <laughs> like <laughs> what, <laughs> what are some of the bigger picture effects of a heat wave like this? Are we doing long-term damage? You know, there are some scientists that are thinking about naming heat waves oh, uh, so that they can have uh, in the minds of the general public kind of the same impact as a hurricane or a winter storm. And that's because these events are shocks to the system and they have consequences, both economic and health wise. And so, you know, for average folks that might work outside, might not have air air conditioning or might not be able to pay those air conditioning bills uh, so they have to keep it warmer, it can have some serious psychological and physical impacts on their health. For the biological community here in Houston, it, it also does things like reduce reproductive rights. So if you're a living thing, in a hot place, mm-hmm. it, it impacts you. Wow. So all the trees, all the animals, they're not feeling the summer love. No, they are not feeling the summer love. And a yeah. lot of them are, you know, <laughs> they're adapted for heat, but not this early and not this long. Right. And we're getting more and more heat building up in the city for a variety of reasons. So uh, it's something that we can do some things about, but it's something mm-hmm. that we're feeling the impacts right now. Oh, so you said that we're feeling the heat here for a variety of reasons. What are the reasons? In cities like Houston, we have what's called the urban heat island effect. And that means that in many ways, the way that city is built, all the impervious surfaces, it's making our city hotter, even without the impacts of climate change, than surrounding communities in rural environments that are more green and leafy. So roofs, roofs and roads, pavement, all these things instead of trees and grass. Exactly. So it is all these dark, impervious surfaces. And one thing to know is just within from 1997 to about 2016, the amount of impervious surfaces in Houston increased by about a thousand square kilometers. Whoa. We're talking about a massive amount of concrete and asphalt and hot roofs and things added. So this is just compounding that impact. And then you layer on climate change on top of that, and we're getting hotter. We've seen since the 1970s how much we've gotten hotter. And you're getting to a time where it is going to be really 
uh, not just uncomfortable, and it's not just uncomfortable for some Houstonians. Let's keep that in mind right now. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's going to become even more dangerous. So we need to have some strategies to combat urban heat. So do you have a sense of how much hotter it is when you're, say, out on pavement than when you're in a more natural area? Yeah. You know, the other day I went out and I looked at two bus stops uh-huh. and one bus stop had no greenery. It was just a concrete pad with a street sign or a bus stop sign. And then we looked at another bus stop with one tree over it. And the temperature difference, the surface temperature difference was over 20 degrees. Whoa. And the kind of air temperature was about it was about 20 degrees, but you can have differences in the city between vegetated areas and super hot concrete areas that approach 40 degrees difference. Wow. So it is a massive temperature swing depending on what you have on the ground. So that's the difference between just being warm and cooking. And cooking. Yeah. yeah. Some of those surface temperatures on the streets are approaching 126 degrees, 127 degrees. Oh. So super hot. Yeah. So is the problem greater in certain parts of town? Yeah, I think as we look at heat, we're going to have to make decisions because not every part of town is heating up the same. So there was a uh, what was called a heat watch campaign that was done in 2020 where volunteers went out, worked with the city and the county and a research institution, some other folks to look at where heat was building up and what the differences in temperature were. Oh, this was the one where people were getting in their cars and driving around with thermometers, basically? That's right. So these community scientists had these Uh uh, heat and humidity monitors attached to their cars, and they drove around on specific routes. And then a map was developed of the heat. And you can see that map uh, online. Uh We will throw a a link in the chat, but it's h3at.org. So heat.org, where the E is a three. Uh-huh. And we see that some communities like Pasadena, Baytown, Gulfton, yeah. places without a well-developed tree canopy are way hotter than some other places like Bel Air or West U. Yeah. Wow. So what can we do about that? Well, I think the first thing is in the 2020 Resilient Houston strategy that was released, they recognize this as a bad problem. Yeah. So I think part of it is recognition that this is a problem. Uh, sometimes when I talk to people, they say, like, Houston's just hot you know, let's get over it. Yeah. But the truth is, if you look at the data since 1970 to now, the nighttime temperatures in Houston on average have gone up 5.2 degrees or more. The daytime temperatures are continuing to climb. And a climate assessment said that we're going to go from about 10 days a year that feel like 105 or more to 74 days by 2050. To be a a livable city, we're going to have to come up with solutions And the solutions are going to have to be targeted to those most impacted because of socioeconomic conditions, vulnerability, so that we can get the maximum impact uh, for particularly communities that need it first. Yeah. So what kinds of things can we do to protect ourselves and to protect those communities? So, you know, I think one thing we can do is beg, borrow and steal ideas from other cities. Mm -hmm. Cities like Phoenix, which are really, really heating up, have come up with a heat strategy. And in those heat strategies for different cities, we're talking about not only tree planting, but protecting the existing canopy, which is very, very important. Oftentimes that's overlooked. People want to go plant new trees. We need to do both. One thing we can do is invest in heat reflective paint. So this has been a thing in Houston for a while on top of buildings. If you look in the medical center, there's Mm -hmm. quite a few reflective surfaces up there. Those are great. They can reduce temperatures by up to 25 degrees. There are some communities like LA that are painting streets, literally, to be more reflective. Wow. There are concrete substitutes that have more reflectivity. 
And we have to do that in smart ways, right? So instead of like a black roof or a black pavement, you would have a white reflective pavement. So that would just reflect the sun's heat back up. That's right. And it would reflect the heat. But but interestingly enough, yeah. because you're reflecting heat back up, sometimes when pedestrians are walking on it, it reflects it back to them and makes it feel hotter for them. Oh. So none of this is simple. So it's got to be done in a real kind of smart, strategic way, working with the community. Right. Another thing we can do is really encourage and incentivize green roofs. Green roofs can drastically reduce heat uh, in a, the heat load in a building, reduce energy costs, mm-hmm. and have all these kind of side benefits uh, in terms of aesthetics and biodiversity and all this stuff. So that's another thing we can do. And lastly, we can inform. A lot of folks still don't know kind of the dangers of heat and how the heat affects the human body. Mm-hmm. So also just putting this on the radar because people... When they think of climate risk, they think of flooding, and they should, because we're going to get stronger inundations. But heat is going to be one of the things that makes this city very unlivable unless we start getting some solutions on the ground. Yeah. So is this something that government does? Is it something private businesses do? Is it individual Houstonians? How do we get this done? Yeah, I think, you know, a typical Houston solution is all the above, Mm -hmm. public-private community partnerships. And I think that's the task of climate adaptation is it's going to take everybody, you know, and sometimes we don't need to look into the future. We need to look into the past. So I see these pictures of downtown sometimes from the 1930s Uh before the widespread distribution of air conditioning. Every building had an awning on it. Oh, shading the sidewalk. Yeah. And as soon as we built the tunnels and got air conditioning, guess what? A lot of those awnings came off. So, you know, sometimes it's not the newest ideas. Sometimes it's the oldest ideas out there that can be helpful. Right. And that's something an individual business can just do on its own and it'll take effect right on the sidewalk. That's right. And so like in downtown, which also showed up as super hot, right. having an awning system so that people can walk outside. Oh, an awning system instead of a tunnel system. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, we'll keep the tunnel system. Yeah. It's, it's great for okay, some folks. Okay. But, but a shading system around right. these buildings with right. all this concrete, super helpful. Another thing is we're going to have to innovate. And we have a lot of smart people here. Mm-hmm. There are many conditions in the city where these sidewalks are super, super hot. Like I said, over 120 degrees in the summertime. But there might not be enough room or time for trees to establish to really get that relief. And so in those cases, we need to think about shading systems. And it could be either mechanical shading systems or it could be something like a trellis along a block where you grow native plants like vines, quickly establishing vines. So instead of having to wait for 20 years for a tree canopy cover, you could be planting those trees in addition to a trellis system and cover that wow. probably in a year or two, right? Yeah. And so that you get effective shading with all the benefits of nature along the way. So we're going to have to use the old ideas, use the ideas that people are coming up with and use Houston's brilliance to kind of come up with with other ideas that we hadn't even thought of yet. Yeah. So there's some hope. I don't have to just curl in a ball and weep this week. <laughs> you can. <laughs> uh, it's really hot outside. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you, but don't cry too much because you're going to get dehydrated. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jaime. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Lisa. That was Jaime Gonzalez. We will have a link to that heat map that Jaime mentioned in our show notes. Now, I'm here with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell, what else is going on in Houston news today? Yesterday, over 150,000 pounds of baby formula arrived at George Bush International Airport. 
It came in early yesterday morning on a cargo plane, and it delivered enough formula to fill about one and a half million bottles of formula. It was a flight that started out in Germany, and the 10,500 cases of formula were then transported to Houston, the next stop being Nestle's distribution center in Fort Worth. From there, the Department of Health and Human Services planned to expedite the next step, meaning the agency will oversee distribution from the Nestle plant to retailers across the U.S. This is part of the Biden administration's Operation Fly formula, which as of last week has facilitated the import of almost 13 million eight-packs of baby formula. That is all for our show today. Remember, we will have a ton of useful links in our show notes. Talk with you tomorrow. Bye. All right. And now, can we just be done? Please. (laughs) We got to get out. All right.